It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Rachel Campos Duffy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. I'm Dave Anthony. It's primary day in New Hampshire, where former President Trump has just one Republican challenger left, Nikki Haley. And Carl Rove tells us she has to win to stay in. The question is, does she win New Hampshire by a big enough a bump, and does she have a strong enough message going into South Carolina that causes people to say, I want to vote for her rather than vote for him? I'm Jared Halpern in Bedford, New Hampshire. It's not just Republicans on the ballot here. President Biden's campaign is looking to stop a spoiler. There's a real chance that Biden could be embarrassed by this writing for this obviously writing effort for his campaign. Dean Phillips is on the ballot. Marianne Williamson on the ballot. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. It's New Hampshire's turn. Don't listen to polls. Get out and vote. We need a big, big win against these terrible people. Former President Trump is hoping to build off his record win in Iowa and has just one Republican challenger left, Nikki Haley. Rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. So the former South Carolina governor, who was President Trump's ambassador to the U.N., tells Fox. He was good at breaking things. You gotta be good at fixing things, too. Now, Haley's hoping Ron DeSantis' supporters vote for her in today's primary, but when the Florida governor dropped out of the race Sunday, DeSantis endorsed the former president, who tells Fox... A lot of the things that he wanted, I wanted. And I think, you know, in fact, I noticed people commentary this saying, well, all of those people that would be for him would be for Trump. So... He's hoping for one final knockout today. I think Nikki Haley, in order to keep this race going, has got to win. Carl Rove is a Fox News contributor who President George W. Bush called the architect, a campaign strategist who was also deputy White House chief of staff. This is a state that is well positioned for it. Not only are there more moderate Republicans in the state of New Hampshire, but New Hampshire allows independents to vote in either presidential primary they like. And since there's really no contest on the Democratic side for a bunch of reasons. She's got um, the ability to draw a bunch of people to her side. So I think this is a critical day for her and for uh, uh, Donald Trump. If he wins and wins convincingly, I, the race is over. If if she wins, then the race will go on. What's the number? You said wins convincingly. You said that she has to win. But what would be a number that is good enough for her to keep going? Well, hard to say. It's you know, it's sort of like we'll know it if we see it, but it would have to be a narrow victory by Trump, say 51-49 or 52-48, and uh, it would have to be uh, with a relatively large turnout. One of the interesting things about Iowa was, yes, the former president, and remember, he's the former president. He's sort of like a semi-incumbent. He won with 51% of the vote, and he won with a very low turnout. And that's a warning sign for President Trump and for the Republicans in that there are people who are sitting on the sidelines when they should be participating. Is it possible, though, that the ones who didn't go are OK with him? They didn't feel strongly enough that one of the challengers made the case? Well, that's a good point, And I grant you that. But look at it from the other side. Yeah, I'm OK with him, but I'm not excited enough to go and participate 
uh, like I did eight years ago. Think about that. We dropped down from 187,000 to 110,000. That's a big chunk. That's a big drop. It was also like 25 below zero. Out. Maybe that's a factor. That is a factor, I suspect. But you'd think that in the rural areas where they have to travel farther and the roads wouldn't be necessarily as good, that turnout would have dropped less in the rural parts of the state than in the urban parts of the state where, you know, it's a mile or two to your location and a big, nice gym at the local high school. But that wasn't the case. The drop off between urban counties, the uh, 10 biggest counties in the state uh, and the remaining 89 counties essentially was the same. So as we look in New Hampshire, you talked about the independents, you talked about the moderates. What number, if former President Trump gets, what is it, 60 percent or more? Is that the end, in your opinion, that it's very difficult well, I mean, for Haley? I, I think it's, it's less than that. Certainly, if it's 55-45, he could easily make the case, you know, it's, it's over. The interesting thing to me is when he won Iowa, his televised statements were good conciliatory, grateful, gracious. Uh, he has not been so in the last you know, couple of days. Yesterday at 7.51 p.m. in the evening, I got a fundraising email from him in which he said, in 48 hours, I'm going to humiliate my opponents. Well, you're the guy who's the former president. In order to win, you got to draw everybody together. In 2020, he lost 8% of Republicans and came up 7 million votes short. Uh, he's got to he's got to focus on the tone that he set the, in in Iowa with that conciliatory statement in which he said nice things about his uh, competitors. I mean, you're if you're the guy who wins, you got to have a better tone than you know. They all need to bend the knee to me, and I'm I've got in the next forty eight hours I'm going to humiliate them all. At the same time, though, he, when he was talking to Fox and Friends on Monday morning about Ron DeSantis, he was nice, said some nice yeah. things about the governor of Florida, and and he yeah. he was reaching out More to this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so he can and did do that after DeSantis dropped out. Yeah, but but. <laughs> Not in, until after he dropped out, he said to humiliate my opponents. I mean, look, my point is, if you want to win, you've got to unite. And to be a uniter, you need to be a leader who's uniting. Once New Hampshire's over and the dust settles, it'll be a month yeah. before South Carolina. Now, the former president is backed by Governor McMaster, by a lot of members of Congress from South Carolina who went to a Trump rally on Saturday in, in Manchester. Oh, yeah. Tim Scott, who dropped out of the race, he backs former President Trump. This yeah. is also not an open primary in South Carolina. She's got a lot against her, even if she wins New Hampshire. Yeah, well, and look, it, when she was governor, she took on the legislative, you know, when she was a legislator, she took on the legislative establishment. She is the outsider in South Carolina. And, and you're right. It looks like, you know, when you have every statewide elected official who's endorsed has endorsed Donald Trump and not her, that's a problem. How does she get the money to keep going forward? Even if she wins New Hampshire, she's behind in the polls. Now, winning New Hampshire, you would think, gives her the bump that maybe some South Carolina voters might go her way. But she has a month. That's going to be a lot of money. Remember, in between, we have this confusing situation in Nevada. State law says that there will be a presidential primary, but the party adopted rules that said, we're going to choose the delegates by a caucus, and if you participate in the primary, you can't participate in the caucus. So Trump is participating in the caucus. She's participating in the primary, and we may have two different results if she stays in. She might win the meaningless primary, and he wins the meaningful caucus. So then you go to South Carolina, where clearly she's behind, and the question is, 
Does she win New Hampshire by a big enough a bump? And does she have a strong enough message going into South Carolina that causes people to say, I want to vote for her rather than vote for him? What happened with Ron DeSantis? What went wrong? Is it simply that he's just up against a former president? It didn't work? No, I think it's more complicated than that. DeSantis had two problems. One was he was a wooden campaigner. You know, people want to be able to relate to you, whether you're the, you know, the star of The Apprentice or the guy who they seem to feel like they can relate to or the, you know, aw shucks World War II veteran or the, you know, Hollywood movie star who'd been governor of California. They want to feel like they can relate to you. And it was just hard to relate to uh, Ron DeSantis. He's a very, you know, private and withdrawn person. The second thing is, what was his message? His message was, I'm Donald Trump only not all the way and in ways that you might like. And that was too insufficient a message. Of course, former President Trump was doing something we haven't seen in a very long time. Grover Cleveland is the only former president who ran again four years ago and got the job back. That's 1892. That's a long, long time ago in a different era. Is there any similarity between Donald Trump and Grover Cleveland at all? Well, uh, they they were both elected in close elections, and Grover Cleveland was reelected president, beating the man who beat him, and again, in another close election. And so I think that Donald Trump wants it to be like that. There's one other way, though, that I don't think he wants to be, and that is Grover Cleveland's second term was an utter, unmitigated disaster. By the time of the 1896 convention, a movement had grown up in the Democratic Party on behalf of the cause of free silver, and state after state after state of the Democratic Party state conventions uh, passed resolutions uh, disavowing the Democratic president of the United States by name. And at the Democratic Convention of 1896 in Chicago, his name was only mentioned in order to have the crowd uh, rise up in anger. Uh, and, and I'm sure Donald Trump doesn't want that to be the case. But here's the deal. No matter who gets elected this fall, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, they will be having their second term. And the history of America is replete with unpleasant and unhappy second terms. There is a Democratic primary in New Hampshire today as well. But President Biden isn't even on the ballot. He's not standing in front of the press. He's not here meeting voters. He's not answering questions. He's not doing town halls. And he won't do debates. Congressman Dean Phillips has been campaigning across the state. I see this train wreck occurring, and someone's got to say the quiet part out loud. And with a president who's 81... Phillips tells Fox it's time for a younger leader, and he's telling independents who can also vote in that Democratic primary today. I like Democrats. I like Republicans. In fact, I love all Americans. Let's stop the nonsense, sit at tables, find solutions to problems, and stop the partisan BS. There is a write-in Biden campaign, so the president could still win today over Phillips and another challenger, Marianne Williamson. But no matter what, no one gets any delegates. The Democratic Party is punishing New Hampshire for holding this primary before South Carolina, which the Democratic National Committee put first February 3rd. He's not going to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. He's a vehicle for people to express their lack of uh, enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Think about this. Three quarters, more than three quarters of the American people think he's too old, Uh, including seven out of 10 Democrats. Two-thirds of the American people think he lacks the mental sharpness to be effective as president. Both he and Donald Trump have 55 percent personal disapproval ratings. We've never had two more unpopular frontrunners for the two parties' nominations. And, and look, 
there's still time for something else to happen. Um, but it's not going to happen with somebody jumping in a la Ted Kennedy or a la Ronald Reagan and taking on the incumbent and and uh, and doing really well. So it's what, what could up- it be? Would he have to drop out himself? Yeah, he'd have to drop out himself, which remember, March 31st, 1968, Lyndon Johnson ended his reelection campaign. But look, the convention for the Democrats is the third week of August. My gut tells me, and from what I can pick up from talking to people around the country, Governor Newsom of California, Governor Pritzker of Illinois, Governor Whitmer of Michigan have all filed federal committees so they can raise federal money that allows them to, quote, campaign around the country for federal candidates like president without having to you know use state their state campaign funds and second of all that they and others like murphy of new jersey and cooper of north carolina josh shapiro pennsylvania and other democrats are trying to make certain that their delegations the delegations from their state to the national convention have a lot of their friends and associates among the delegates so if something does happen they have the ability at the convention to be a force and I, I know this is happening in some of these big state delegations, most prominently with Newsom in California. Now, I find it implausible that he could be the Democratic nominee. But if the, if Biden pulls the ripcord for whatever reason between now and the beginning of the Democratic convention, the third week of August, delegations like California will will play. Carl Rove, Fox News contributor, former White House deputy chief of staff and strategist for George W. Bush in 2000, 2004. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. The first in the nation primary could be the last chance for a Republican to derail former President Trump's reelection bid. After his win in Iowa, the field has shrunk with his one-time U.N. ambassador and former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley eyeing an upset to upend the state of this race. I know the political class wants to say that this race is over. And I know the political class is saying everybody needs to get behind Trump. This is not a coronation. The former president has said it's time for Republicans to unite behind his bid and focus on a rematch against President Biden. We need big margins because we have to send real unity as a message. Then there is the president. Technically, he is not running here. South Carolina kicks off his reelection primaries next month. But his campaign is actively trying to prevent Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips from playing spoiler here. This is the moment that a lot of the the Trump critical forces have been waiting for, the the, the matchup one-on-one between the, the, the Trump and, and a challenger. Josh Crossauer is Fox News radio political analyst and joins me tonight for our election coverage in Bedford, New Hampshire. But the, the problem is that the, the numbers, at least in New Hampshire, seem to favor Trump. And, and, and if anything, when you see all the candidates who've dropped out in the last week, Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. uh, Ron DeSantis, you've seen uh, Trump getting a lot of that, that momentum, a lot of that support has disproportionately gone to 
Trump. So you are going to get this mano a mano clash between true, true, true Trump and then someone looking for a new generational change in, in Nikki Haley. But right now, if you look at the polls, if you look at the momentum, uh, Trump certainly seems to have the advantage. So what's the secret sauce here if you're Nikki Haley? Is it trying to appeal to never Trump Republican? Is that enough of a population or does she really need to see if she can get uh, the, the, listen, there's a huge number of independent non-affiliated voters in New Hampshire. Is it trying to appeal to get them to turn out to make this a very competitive primary? So the number of independent and unaffiliated voters that participate in New Hampshire primaries is upward of 40 percent. And this wow. is not, yeah. not an insignificant share yeah. of the Republican primary electorate. So that, that's going to be a big factor. And exactly how many independents and how many you know less, less partisan Republicans show up is going to have a big role, a big impact in looking at the results. Look, the key for Haley is to cut into Trump's inroads with, with Republicans. With you know, It's hard to say either here in New Hampshire or certainly across the rest of the political map that if you're losing by you know 30 40 points with with the most uh, rank and file Republicans that that's that's a pathway to victory so look if you look at some of the polls that have been out in the last week uh, Trump has about a 40 point lead among registered Republicans partisan Republicans Haley's gonna have to cut into that margin uh, a little bit more to have a chance at a win here and the only place that she can do that tonight is here right I mean if you look at the road moving forward obviously her home state of South Carolina Carolina comes up next, but we've seen a lot of polling that would indicate that's Trump country. So let's say that, that Nikki Haley is able to pull off something remarkable tonight, right? Either a very narrow loss or, or even an upset victory. What then? Well, look, the next big primary on the map is her home state of South Carolina. Now, as we've talked with a lot of people who know South Carolina politics really well, that's not a, even if she won and had a great, great night here on Tuesday, that, that is far from a guarantee that she'd be able to win in her home state. It's been a while since she's been governor and the polls right now show her trailing pretty significantly to, to Donald Trump. But like, look, if she had the if she comes back from down double digits to a win and, and has a month's worth of momentum, great headlines, mm -hmm. we're talking about her and the comeback kid storyline <laughs> as Bill Clinton did in 1990. You know, then that could give her some momentum sure. for a month, and that could you can't you can't pull that stuff. You can't pull uh, the the change of a dynamic like that. But look, she has to win here. She has to actually come back and, and actually pull off the victory. Is that easier or harder to do with DeSantis out, Ramaswamy out, Chris Christie out? Who else am I missing out? Yeah, I, mean, I think we got all of it. Ryan Binkley still in the race. Binkley's in I, the race. Asa Hutchinson out. He's I out. Think we yes. got him. We, we've, got, we've got him all. Doug Burgum out. Well, look, that was I think a, a miscalculation. I think a lot of uh, you know Haley folks may have assumed that if Chris Christie got out of the race, you know, all the all, many of the Christie votes go to Haley, mm -hmm. and but they didn't assume that both DeSantis and and certainly Ramaswamy are also getting out, and that they also comprise. that kind of eats up that difference, right? I mean, the, the expectation was going to be that ten to twelve percent or so that. Christie was getting. Right. Most of that goes to Haley, but that's not the case. I mean, most of the, the DeSantis uh, Ramaswamy vote, you would think, yeah. is not going to, to Nikki Haley. Right. I mean, Christie gave Haley maybe a 10-point boost 
but Ramaswamy plus DeSantis is mm. at least equal to that. Mm. So there's no, I mean, the, you know, for everything to go right for Haley would have almost required Ramaswamy to stay in the race or DeSantis even to stay, to stay in the race. The the fact of the matter is, when you look at the Republican electorate, uh, the clear majority are, are oriented with Trump or, or more MAGA oriented. So unlike in 2016, when it was the establishment that was divided and, and Trump won a plurality of the vote here in New Hampshire, it's a lot different this year. Trump actually has the support and the clear support of of a majority of the Republican voters. Let's uh, switch gears. Obviously, New Hampshire, the first in the nation primary, not the case for at least one of the major parties now. The DNC is uh, moving its first primary a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, quite a a way down the uh, Atlantic seaboard there to uh, South Carolina. Nonetheless, even though there are zero delegates being awarded to Democrats here in New Hampshire, we have a race. Dean Phillips, uh, the Minnesota congressman trying to play spoiler here to uh, President Biden. President Biden's name not on the ballot, but there is a major effort underway to get that write-in vote. Explain to me well, kind of the process and if it matters. Like, like what is the significance here for, for Biden to get all of these write-in votes when he's not on the ballot, isn't competing, the DNC is ignoring New Hampshire, no delegates are... Is it just to, to sort of move Dean Phillips off the, the headlines, off the newspaper front page? Well, look... Can I just say that what a mistake it was for the, both the Biden campaign and the DNC to penalize New Hampshire and try to relegate it to second fiddle. And, and they're st- we're still having a primary. I'm still talking to Biden folks quietly working to get right in can't votes for, for him here in New Hampshire. No, there aren't any delegates that are going to be allocated. Uh, there's a real chance that Biden could be embarrassed by this right in for there's obviously right in effort for his campaign. This Dean Phillips is on the ballot. Marianne Williamson on the ballot. I was driving up here at our our headquarters, uh, Mm -hmm. Jared. I also saw signs for left-wingers protesting uh, the war war in in, in Gaza. People want to, yeah, so there's an active campaign from the left-wingers here in New Hampshire to write in ceasefire uh, on the ballot. So this could be one of those, you know, Pyrrhic victories for the president where he's actually mounting a write-in campaign. He's competing, and yet he may have a very underwhelming performance on But, like, does that matter? I mean, because, what, February 3rd, a Saturday to go to South Carolina. Biden's going to dominate in South Carolina. Well, He's going to be the nominee, unless you know. Health, well, health, sure, yeah. Health, if his health is but good, I guess my point is like he's going to be the. It's, it's just the question of there's so many polls we talk about every week, Jared, that shows a lot of Democrats not very enthused about Biden as the nominee. And if you don't do well in, in the first in the nation state, even without the delegates, mm-hmm. it's going to be an embarrassing showing. We'll say that Biden was embarrassed here four years ago in New Hampshire, right? We were here. <laughs> Joe we were Biden kind of writing his political obituary, as I recall, four years ago from this very spot. I, I remember he was on a flight going to South Carolina uh, and and racing out of the state where he finished, I believe, fifth place in the, yeah. the 2020 primary. Well behind Bernie Sanders after in limping Klobuchar out of Iowa and, after Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg duked it out for, I think, what they're still deciding between first and second place. Yeah, I mean, the difference now, though, Jared, is that he's president. He's got all the infrastructure of yeah. the White House and the political operation behind him. So, look, if, 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 if 35, 40 percent of Democrats decided to do something else other than writing in the president's name, it would be a pretty embarrassing showing. For all intents and purposes, if former President Trump is successful here tonight, is this nomination done? Is it over? Uh, Functionally, yeah. So that raises what I was sort of leading to, which is we will have 
for all intents and purposes, like a enormously long general election. Is that what both the Biden and Trump campaigns desire? I don't think anyone really wants a what? <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't, look, I don't think certainly look, public do polling, which are the American people don't want. Do we, I mean, no, I mean, I don't think it's healthy to have. I mean, look, our presidential campaigns tend to be long. You know, voters complain that you have know, months and months and months of, of politicking. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's helpful to have such a lengthy campaign. But I think the bigger picture is who's more vulnerable, who, who who's more affected by um, that longer, exposure. Yeah. And look, I, I I think that that's where Trump. You know, Trump if he gets the nomination and locked down, and he's the nominee, he's going to be facing a more visibility and more scrutiny. He's got the legal We've cases. He's got the 91 counts, right. The legal cases to come. So, I, you know, I think Trump has a lot more to lose uh, as an early nominee. I think he's glad to have it wrapped up by now, and he's going to mm-hmm. try to kind of talk about, well, we'll be hearing a lot of talk about running mates, and we'll hear, be talking about uh, other things beside the primaries. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of exposure that comes with the nomination. I think he's, he could be vulnerable in those days to come. Because the Biden campaign has really been setting itself up, especially now in calendar year, 2024 for a race against Donald Trump, right? All of these events that he's done up to this point have focused on kind of these bigger issues, right? You may not agree with me on tax policy or foreign policy or even, you know, immigration, but there is something bigger at stake here. This is democracy is at stake, the way that we hold elections and have a peaceful transfer of powers. It's like you hear uh, the campaign manager for Biden-Harris say they are running as if American democracy depends on it. And then they preface it or, or punctuate it by saying, and it does. This does seem like the race, in my view, that the Biden camp has been itching for. Well, here's a test that the primaries are going to show to that point. They're are going to be quite a few voters in the Republican primary that vote for Nikki Haley who rank democracy, who rank a lot of those very issues at the top of their concern list. And these are Republicans that are more moderate, that are have been critical of Trump. Maybe they didn't even vote for him in the last couple elections. That is going to, can Biden bring on those more moderate anti-Trump Republicans as part of his coalition? Trump ended up winning. You know, a lot of the, there was a lot of fighting within the party uh, in 2016. He brought them home in 20. 20, he, within the Republican ranks, he kept them. Uh, the question is that Haley's really appealing to uh, that's a, the, the January that, 6th. That's been her argument, right, is that she is the candidate who can beat Trump, or at least, you know, because she kind of talks about if it's Biden and Trump, it's this 50-50 proposition, it's a coin flip, but if it's me... All your worries go away. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the case. But, you know, it's interesting that the party itself is, is divided, yeah. right? I mean, if, if Haley was the nominee, there would be about 25% of, of, of very MAGA Republicans that would have a hard time voting for Haley uh, in, in that situation. So you're looking at a party that's trying to kind of keep that big tent together. Um, and the question, I think, if Trump is the nominee, if Trump does does really well, if he wins New Hampshire, where does that Haley block go? Do they end up sticking with the Republican Party or do some of them end up voting Democratic or voting Democratic? In the, in the November election. A lot of fascinating storylines here in the uh, Granite State, the first in the nation primary. Josh Crossauer, appreciate your time. He will be back with us, uh, myself, Jessica Rosenthal, 6 o'clock Eastern on these Fox News radio stations. We get it started. Josh, we'll uh, talk then. Looking forward to it. Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. A 73-year-old grandma was arrested at the Miami airport accused of plotting to murder her former son-in-law. 
Donna Adelson was trying to board a one-way flight to Vietnam, a country with no extradition treaty with the U.S., when she was taken into custody. Adelson's arrest came a week after her son Charlie Adelson was convicted of hiring two hitmen to gun down his brother-in-law, Florida State law professor Dan Markle, in 2014. At the time of his death, Markle was in a custody dispute with Donna's daughter, Wendy. Wendy wanted to move with her kids to South Florida to be closer with her mom, but Markle refused. And that's when prosecutors say the family schemed to remove him from the picture. Weeks before her November arrest, Donna Adelson was heard on a jailhouse call to her son talking about fleeing the country. Charlie was sentenced to life in prison along with his then-girlfriend, Katie Magbanua, who hired her ex-husband, Segreto Garcia, and his friend, Luis Rivera, to carry out the hit. Garcia is serving a life sentence. Rivera is serving a 19-year sentence after cooperating with authorities. Donna Adelson denies any involvement in the scheme. There's more on this story at foxnews.com. Subscribe to the Fox True Crime Podcast with Emily Campagno. I'm Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So the New Hampshire primary is here. And some people think Nikki Haley still has a shot at winning the nomination. In fact, scientists actually have a word for these people. They're called drunks. Sure, the former South Carolina governor could finish closer to Trump than she did in Iowa. But finishing second in one state doesn't mean anything. And if you don't believe me, ask President Ron DeSantis. The man who launched his candidacy on Twitter after the site completely crashed ended it on Twitter after his campaign completely crashed. Yeah, the Florida governor may have been right for going after Disney World's woke policies because the truth is no kid wants to go on a ride called Snow White and the Seven Genders. And don't even get me started on Peter Pansexual. But in the end, Mickey Mouse got the last laugh and he's ready to open a roller coaster at DeSantis headquarters called This Space for Rent Mountain. As for Haley, I don't doubt she'll be sending in the punt team any day now. And trust me, I'm an expert on sending in the punt team because I'm a New York Jets fan. So for my money, the bigger question isn't who will be the Republican nominee. It's who will Trump actually run against? Because in the end, nobody in their right mind thinks Biden is going the distance. I know Joe claims he is, but as I said, nobody in their right mind thinks he's going the distance. Pretty much anybody you ask in either party thinks Joe should step aside for somebody younger, like Moses. But it's not because of Biden's age. It's because of his condition. My 96-year-old uncle runs marathons, but 81-year-old Joe Biden gets lost so much, he's the only president in history who takes more time to exit a speech than he does to give one. He's also the only person who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's done. And when he does complete a sentence, Biden's the first president in history to make a sign language interpreter shrug. At the last State of the Union, he actually said, now's the time to choose between unity and and if you watch the video, the audience claps like a bunch of baby seals in suits. But the sign language interpreter goes from signing to, like, Googling because she has no idea. Folks, there's not a parent alive who would trust Joe Biden to drive their kids in a car. And let's face it, if you won't let him drive your kids, you can't let him steer your country. But the saddest part of all is that the country is in worse shape than Joe is. 
America used to be a shiny city on the hill. Now it's a college bar that doesn't check ID where anybody can get into our southern border. So you can very well expect Trump to be the nominee, and you might even expect him to win. But do not expect him to do so by beating Joe Biden. Because come November, Biden will be old news in more ways than one. Be sure to watch Fox News Saturday night with me, Jimmy Fallon, every Saturday at 10 p.m. on the Fox News channel. Listen to Fox Across America weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on the Fox News app. And pre-order my new book, would you? Cancel Culture Dictionary. It's at foxnewsbooks.com. And folks, if you like reading at a third grade level, you're going to love this book. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it on demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.